And we are back with tonight movie. I'm your host, Sarah. As always, joined with my dearly beloved older brother, Mr. Benjamin Turner, who really looks like he needs his coffee to kick in right now. I mean that in the best possible way. Today, we are talking about the 2016 science fiction film starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, Arrival, directed by Dennis, I'm going to butcher his name as I always do, Dennis v- Villeneuve? Villeneuve. You took high school French, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have. I've forgotten a lot of it. I remember Je suis un pamplemousse. I am a grapefruit. <laughs> that is about what I... Oh, also... Um, well, what was the one like, like, can I go to the bathroom? Which one was that one? I can't remember. remember? I think it was because of you we had to say that. Yeah. Ben, ben and I had the same French teacher because we only had one French teacher in our high school. Ben's two years ahead of me. But because Ben, I think it was because of Ben that we always had to go to the bathroom because he's like, oh, can I go to the bathroom? And she made everyone in all of her classes say it in French. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was toilet. the worst third year student. I don't know how I got to third year. <laughs> no, you graduated. It's yeah. fine. That happened. Um, toilet. Can I go to the bathroom? There you go. If you haven't learned anything. It's like throughout this entire po- <laughs> the entire episode, it's that. You now know how to say I'm a grapefruit and can I go to the bathroom in French. <laughs> Anyways, um, Arrival. So this is a mind screw of a movie. Thank you, Ben, for recommending this. As You're very welcome. A lot, of, yeah, a lot of these Ben recommends. Please tell us the plot of this because I don't want to break it down. So, so uh, basically, this is basics without spoiling anything um 12 alien spaceships have arrived on earth each place uh each at different parts of the earth some in u.s or one in u.s uh one in china russia pakistan sudan there's a couple others uh and they're all spaced apart uh there's it seems like there's no correlation between where they've landed Spacecraft in the U.S. landed in Montana, where the United States Army Colonel G.T. Weber, played by Forrest Whitaker, recruits linguist Louise Banks, played by Amy Adams, and physicist Ian Donnelly, played by Jeremy Renner, to which by he is like a powerhouse of an actor in this movie. Oh, like, yeah. granted, Amy Adams probably is, does better because she has more more powerful lines, but Jeremy Renner is he has that certain type of uh, low key charisma that comes out. Um, Sorry, he recruits the uh, the whoever recruits them to figure out who occupies the spacecrafts and sp- what their purpose is. So this film is also based off of the what was it? I think nineteen ninety eight short story by Ted Chiang. I may believe that's how you say his name. Called Story of Your Life, and so that's essentially what this is based off of. And Eric, also oh, I'm gonna butcher these names. Eric Heiser. Something like that? Yeah, something like that. I am so sorry for butchering your name. (laughs) Uh, Eric, if you're listening to this, we are truly sorry. (laughs) Yes, we we very much are, and to anyone else to which we butcher their names. Um, I'm dyslexic. That is my excuse. (laughs) (laughs) And so he crafted this, and it took him a while to get it made, but eventually was able to get it made. And as I said, definitely mind screw of a movie. If you watch Stalker, but we talked about Mm -hmm. Stalker a while ago. Um, that was a bit, bit of a mind screw. This, I think, is more so, personally. And also, this bit, there's going to be some spoilers in here. So if you have not mm-hmm. seen this movie, turn us off now. Yeah, Go turn watch us off it now. Um, and then come back. Yes. <laughs> because uh, and it's a short movie. It's like less than two hours, right? It's about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, yeah. And don't look at your phone during the movie. This no. is, uh, you have to pay I attention to every, yeah, every single detail. 
like until you see the end credits. Yeah. And nothing I will say, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Nothing makes any sense in this movie until the last 90 seconds. I know. That's what I love about it. It, like, waits so long for the payoff. Oh. And it, it, right, we'll get into that in yeah, a second. <laughs> it, it, kind of, okay, it kind of irritates me, though, because at first, this leads into one question, because as, one question I have, because as I usually watch these movies, I think of questions as I go, which is both good and bad, because I remember them, but also it... Then it's like you have a question and it's answered later on. And then as I was doing this, I felt like a lot of the questions that I had were basically irrelevant by the last 90 seconds mm-hmm. when it tied <laughs> everything together. But I guess like one of the questions like I do want to start off with is what it, we're, we kind of gave like the basic synopsis of what this is. Um, two people, two scientists recruited by an army colonel to figure out who these like who these aliens are. Why are they here? Like, what's their purpose? And then. How did they get here? Like, that's that's what you think is the plot. And then it just, like, diverts. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, that I, is the I, plot, I but I'm it isn't. Uh, <laughs> I have a very love-hate relationship with that. Because on one hand, it's like, okay, what is essentially the plot? Is it this one thing of right. finding their so, purpose? Or is it time and future and everything? Right. So there's a lot of time skips in the movie. And it doesn't, okay, again, yes. like... Watch the movie beforehand because this next sentence is going to be a massive spoiler. You don't find out to the end that like most of these flat uh, flashbacks are actually flash forwards, mm-hmm. um, which changes the entire meaning of the movie. It changes the meaning of the aliens and changes their language. It changes how the characters interact, and then you really realize like, oh, that's when it all comes together. And it they wait literally until the last, last ninety minute. seconds. Yeah. yeah, and it's like to because like you get. You get progressively more confused in the last 10 minutes. Oh, good God. And you're going like, what's yes. going on? Like, you feel like you missed something, and you, like, need to watch the movie again. But then you're like, fine, we'll see what happens. And all of a sudden, just bam! You're like, oh, that's what it was! And it, like, it's, in my opinion, beautifully written and directed because of that. And, by the way, cinematographer did a great job, oh, too. Oh, it's beautiful, yes. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, oh, who was it? Damn, I forgot his name. Uh, um, I, I just written, read it, too. I had it written down. He was specifically chosen by Villanueva because the cinematographer uh, specializes in doing natural lighting. Yeah, and I'm trying. He to like he he it. just he uses IKEA lamps Bradford and Bradford uh, Young. Uh, Bradford Young, yeah, he uses IKEA lamps and LED lights. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, like you know, not for everything, but for a lot of things. You know, IKEA comes through though in a lot of areas. Well, yeah, our entire <laughs> office is set up with IKEA. Yeah, percent of it. So IKEA comes. I mean, through yeah, especially old. with the amount of I don't know if he's gotten an Academy Award yet, but I know he's had a, at least two nominations, um, or maybe just the Bradford one. Bradford Young. Know. Yeah, he's anyway. He's done a good job. Um... So, uh, where were we? We were on the... I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> like the movie. <laughs> like the movie. Time has become <laughs> an object. It's become irrelevant. Hasn't this, like, the yeah. last 10 months become so, irrelevant? Yeah. I just... Uh, much. So, okay, I'm watching this movie last night. Yeah. And Ben comes in at different times or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching this movie. And as I'm watching this, and, like, it's what, January 2021. That's the time we are currently recording this. COVID is a thing, as it has been a thing for, what, 10 months? Almost a year. Mm. Um, and as it's going on, I'm just like, oh my goodness, why does this feel like COVID? <laughs> like all the time just blurs together in one. It's just like, what is happening? I am so confused. Mm-hmm. And the central theme of the movie is essentially it's teasing the audience into seeing, okay. 
We're spoiling it. We're, we're spoiling it. There's no way I, to We've talk already about spoiled it a lot. We'll just finish spoiling it. Uh, the aliens, their language allows them to, it's, it conveys, it, it conveys the way they think, essentially. And see things. And, yes, and the way they see things. And they happen to see time more as an object than we do. We see time in very linear fashion. The arrow of time. Like there's a past, a present, and a future, while the aliens see it all as one. So then when Elizabeth Banks sees... Louise Banks. Louise Banks, sorry. Oh sh- Elizabeth yeah. Banks is an actress? Yeah, someone else. Um, when Louise Banks sees... Not sees. Understands yes. their language fully, she ends up being able to see time as one object. Essentially, which is why some of these, which is why these, she has these flash forwards, and why she sees her life happen at you know the story of her life. Next twelve years, basically. Yes, uh, I think it's longer than that. It's probably I think I you know, yeah, something like that. But it's 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 a while. Um, and she sees it all as one thing because she understands their language, and that's a. That's the story of the movie. <laughs> Essentially, here's my thing. And when you find out that last bit in the last 90 seconds, they're like, oh, that's what all these time cuts are. And then you just kind of sit back in your chair, and like, as you're picking up what's left of your mind being blown, you're just, oh, gosh. You're more confused. I finished this at like 9.30 yeah. o'clock last night. There's some people who are confused. Some people who love it, like me. <laughs> ben absolutely loves this. I finish it. Ben walks in, and he just kind of goes in. I'm like, Ben, save this for tomorrow. We have to talk about this. Also, my mind is too screwed up right now to talk yeah. about this. I need to go wind down, watch some stupid YouTube videos on mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> to like calm down. It's but, an extremely suspenseful movie, despite the fact that I don't, I don't think anyone dies. Well, no, uh, kind of, but not really. Like, psh, it's an alien. Is that even a human? No, like, someone, no, <laughs> no someone, I mean, it's not actually a human. Well, someone <laughs> does die. Who? We've already it. spoiled it, so. The oh daughter, yeah, the daughter. daughter yeah, the daughter. The daughter dies. Yeah, the daughter dies. I mean, There's it's it's not a violent this. movie though. You like, find out that she dies in the first what five minutes? Yeah. So, so it's, it's it's not like a violent or a sexual movie. Oh, it's no. just uh, not at all. It's, it's very intense, just because it's so. I just you feel the fear of what would happen if aliens all of a sudden visited Earth out of nowhere, and like how much it would freak out not just society but the people who meet them because these are really alien aliens. Like oh, yeah. they like, the way they. <laughs> Everything, the way they view everything, it's not like for the freaking Vulcans from Star Trek. <laughs> like, you can't relate to them in any way, and you're struggling to, and it's very scary. <laughs> they look, to give you a visual of what I think they look like, they look like the Grim Reaper and a squid had a baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not um, exaggerating yeah. when I say that. And even the way they communicate, uh, the way they write, the way they, t- well, they don't really talk. It, they and only not, communicate in writing. In ink, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, they're not violent. Yeah, they're not they're not violent. It's just very scary because it's very new. And that is something over the last 10 months. Yeah, exactly. Uh and it's something that I think in especially in the COVID post-COVID world, I guess, cuz technically we're post-COVID. Are now, we? well, I mean the vaccine came out, so we should we should Hopefully. be Hopefully. Fingers um, crossed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fingers crossed on a lot. I think of we can re- a lot of us can relate in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yes. Yeah. We're like dancing around our notes all the time. Uh, maybe we should get back on track. Where do you want to? Where do you want to go? Uh, I think we've kind of beat the script to death. Oh, I mean, wait, again, wait, we we can't even. We can't even. This movie is so meta. We can't even talk about it in a linear fashion. Like, like <laughs> I will say, I thought the biggest mind screw of a movie I've ever watched was Stalker, and then I watched Arrival. So yeah, I will say. So Stalker. 
it's all, you can follow it a lot more easily. Yeah. And both of them are both of these movies are very visual based. Mm-hmm. And I will say Arrival has definitely a lot more um speaking into it. Yeah. Than Stalker. But with Arrival, it was I felt more confused as time went on. With Stalker, I didn't really feel fully confused. Mm-hmm. Just like a teeny bit. Arrival, I'm just like what? Well, you can see uh, Denis Villeneuve's history as in he spent like 15 years and then heard of him at a time um, directing art house films. Because usually, and he had a couple hits, and usually when someone gets a hit as an art house film, they end up going straight into blockbusters. But he stayed there for a while. Uh, Pope Paul Soderbergh, who does the Oceans movies, he was he back before he became. I'm, I'm not gonna say he was a hack. He's a hack, but you know he's a Hollywood guy now. <laughs> Uh, and he, which is like great for him, obviously. Like hey, when God, you have that opportunity, work, yeah. you freaking take it. Uh, he also Logan Lucky. Um, That's a funny movie. Yeah. So he did. He made his name on the art house circuit. Uh, that's why. Um, what's his face? Uh, shoot, Roger Ebert called him the darling of the Sundance generation because he was the guy that you always want to see at the Sundance festivals. Uh, Sex Lies and Videotape was his big breakout movie, and when he did that, then he kind of when the blockbuster's almost full-time. Um, I don't think he, Paul Soderbergh translated very well in the blockbuster. I think he did his, the better part of his career has been, uh, quality-wise, it was the art house, cir- art house circuit. Dennis Villanueva spent so long in the art house circuit mm-hmm. that, like, he translated all those best elements, being able to take very low-key scripts, um, like, not the sexiest-looking scripts in the world, let's be honest. Oh, no, like, if you, if you read Blade Runner 2049 or Sicario... They're just so, they're not bad scripts, but they are not nearly as intense as when he puts it onto the screen. This guy's used to working with very little resources. He's used to not having. Um, I don't want to say. It's only not the big name actors, although. Amy Adams, still, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, no, I'm well back. I'm talking about back when he okay, was on. Okay. Like he was doing art house okay, films. Got it. Um, also, not that much of a budget. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's only just started doing big, big budget movies. Like, Wait, actually, really? over 100 million was first one was Blade Runner 2017, and this is before Blade Runner. This was a year before Blade, the Blade yeah, Runner. Yeah, exactly. So I think this was his first. Yeah. I might be wrong on this. Cannot wait for his Dune movie. <laughs> he's doing, he is doing. Yeah, Dune. November 2021. I was. I mean, this might be just a me thing. I what? I have a great appreciation for this movie mm-hmm. in the sense of mind screw, because yes. I think if you. I have a very, I come off as if I like, I don't like mind screw movies, Mm -hmm. but I'm very impressed with them. Mm Because if you can make multiple people go WTF with a movie. And still enjoy the experience. And still enjoy (laughs) the full experience. And we're not talking like WTF as in like Buckaroo Bonsai. That movie's just a complete parody. Yeah. (laughs) Which we still highly recommend. Yeah. Um, But more in the sense of, it really just kind of makes you think like, like, what in the world? Like for Stalker. It, one of the main things is, okay, what does re- what does really matter to you in the world? Like, does this room actually matter to you? And mm-hmm. what can it bring to your life? As in with Arrival, it's more of, okay, if you can view time as a whole and nonlinear and see everything and essentially basically see your future because that's mm-hmm. kind of what happens, would you change anything? And that's one of the ending lines mm-hmm. that <clears throat> Louise Banks poses to Ian Donnelly. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, the, at the end, they confess their love to each other. And mm-hmm. so, like, that's 
Which you you think is a shoehorned in romance that like some studio exec says, oh, you have to have someone, you have to have sex. It's like, no, it actually, like most of the movie, you think it's shoehorned and kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, And then the ending happens and then it, and then you realize the romance was the entire point of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it was essential. And she poses a question to um, Ian Donnelly of, okay, if you, if you knew your future, would you change anything? And he's like, I don't know, communicate more like. Yeah, exactly. It was, that was his main thing, which also is really funny considering the fact she didn't communicate to him. Yeah, and that's why they end up, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> end up divorcing. A whole thing, which is why, yes, turn yes, turn this off right now. Go watch it. Come back. I mean, we've already spoiled all the oh, greatest parts of the movie. Like, <laughs> There is no way to talk about this yeah, film yeah. without spoiling anything. Exactly. And that's, oh, or at least a lot of like the main nitty-gritty stuff. Yeah. I will say... Because well, it's just an okay movie until it all wraps up. up. I mean, not, it's, it's a good movie, actually, until it wraps up. But like... Then it's a great movie, in my you're opinion. Con- you're confused until the end, and then by the end, you're still confused, but not as confused, but still very confused, if yeah. that makes any sense. It, it takes some time to think about it. I will say, I, I've watched it once. I think I need to watch it again probably in a couple weeks Yeah. <laughs> after you know, I calm down from it and be like, oh, and mm-hmm. kind of get my head wrapped around it more. I will say, what I did not like about the script, I don't know if it's more of a script thing, probably just more of an audio thing, is I felt I had to have subtitles on. I cannot understand what they were saying. They're talking way too quiet. Ah, the Christopher Nolan syndrome, yeah. <laughs> I will, but with Christopher Nolan, I felt like I can understand. Oh, you haven't seen Tenet yet? <laughs> no, I have. I, I want to. Yeah. I've been told it's very eh. Um, I think, okay, this is an, this is an aside. Uh, my opinion on Tenet is we have unreasonable expectations Christopher because Nolan. Christopher Nolan is one of the greatest directors alive. So what we do okay. is we're like, oh, if he literally doesn't knock my socks off, it's a bad movie. If someone else, if Michael Bay or like someone who isn't as critically known made this movie, made Tenet, we would be like, wow, this is an amazing movie. I think we're looking at it through a very biased lens. <laughs> yeah, Ben and I, we are big Christopher Nolan fans. Yeah. Very, very big. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, most society is at this point. Oh, 1,000%. If they were, Which is why people are just like, if it's If they eh. weren't blown away by dunkirk or even the dark knight series then i don't Hmm. then i don't know what's going on yeah it's like with wes anderson it's like if you weren't blown away by grand budapest then what are you doing yeah exactly (laughs) like yeah see okay we can talk about that later (laughs) we'll Uh, talk about grand budapest another time mm -hmm. or just wes anderson yeah yeah and like for dorky morals like in the middle of the movie, to where I'm like, okay, it's a dorky moral with Donnelly and Banks. Yeah, well, until we, again, end, yeah, until the end, you think the entire time, like, this romance sucks. <laughs> but, yeah, well, it's not sucks, it's, it's, it's forced. Yeah, it feels, like, slightly, like, forced. Actually did not, I actually say, it did not feel forced until there was, like, one part of the movie to where they're together and just kind of, like, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised about seeing the alien, but I was was about meeting you, and it was just like, okay. We love Jeremy Renner (laughs) and Amy Adams. We do. We, honest to God, both do. Yeah. Very predictable line. Yeah, that was was, was more of the screenwriter's fault. Although, I'm going to be honest, like, being able to tie this story together was such a feat of writing that I don't. I, I'm I'm willing to let some stuff like that go. I will agree because I think they went through many drafts in yeah. order to get to this point, mm-hmm. to, or to the point that they were at. So I I give I give them a lot of credit, mm-hmm. and it's one of the. Well, I will say not my favorite movie I've ever watched. However, I give it all the props and in the world and um, uh, respect. 
mm-hmm. because of what it did. It's like me with Star Wars. I do not hate me for this. I'm not a huge fan of the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, it's, more it's than okay. Me. Like, I, I don't. It's I, nice. I never, and I also just was never really to get into sci-fi movies. Mm. I could never get into Blade Runner. I, I tried, couldn't. Um, but the thing with Blade Runner. Star Wars and now Arrival is I have a massive respect for them because of what they were able to pull off um, and with the resources that they had and how they were able to tie everything together. Not my favorite, but massive respect. Also, the budget for this movie was only $47 million. Yeah, do you want to talk about, let's talk about the production value a little bit. Um, why it looks so good. It has to be one of the oh. most aesthetically pleasing movies oh, I've seen. Yes. Now, part of it is... You went on a big screen. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's like not even... It's not like... It's not even because it's like IMAX looking. First of all, it's Villanueva, and I think this goes back to his art house days. He can just make a movie look good. If it's on a screen mm-hmm. and it says directed by Villanueva, the stills will always look good. Like, you can pause on almost any point in the movie, and you're like, oh, that's actually nice. Oh, it looks incredibly yeah. beautiful. One of the, I will still... Remember, one of my favorite scenes from Blade Runner 2049 is when Ryan Gosling first enters a, what's that? I think it was what? I think it was in Reno, where he goes to see Harrison oh, Ford. Vegas. Vegas. So I know, it was, I know it was someplace in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's standing with orange. all the dust around. Oh. I will say, killer shot. I love it. Killer shot. Mm-hmm. Continue. So part of it is, oh shoot, who's the cinematographer's name? Bradford Young. Bradford Young. It was Villanueva had a really good idea. So Villanueva was saying he wanted to make... uh, When he talks about movies, it's really interesting. He talks about movies as if he's painting a picture. Because he says, I want this this movie... I'm not going to do his accent because I I don't know what Quebec people sound like. Um, Canadian French. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's from... I think that's Quebec. I don't know. Um, Quebec, Montreal. Yeah, something like that. Uh... Anyways, he talks about um, he wants the movie to look he, to evoke a sense of realism and realism in a very classical sense, like talking about the artistic movie of real or not movie movement <laughs> of realism. And part of it was he wanted to deal a lot with natural lighting, which is where Bradford Young came in because that's his specialty. And then what you see, by the way, oh, like yes. you, like it does not look like they're you're on a movie set ever. It's a, it's yeah exactly like when you're inside a home. When you're inside uh, Amy Adams' home, um, it's all natural lighting, and especially since it's overcast, it's like a little dark. But it's not—it's not like scary. It's still very homey. Um, same when they're on the base, when they're in the alien ship. That was those oh, shots beautiful. were freaking knock your socks off. Um, and then let's see uh, when they're in Montana. That was all the shots of Montana, which are actually in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, Saint Look, Fabian. we're amazing. St. Fabian, yeah. We're amazing. Um, but we're not even talking about the other two part. We're not talking about the production designer who took a lot of her cues from... I can't even remember, I can't remember her name, and I can't remember the person she's going to reference. Wow, I'm a horrible... Pro- I'm just not You're talking prepared. about visual effects? No, uh, production designer. Um, I usually am not too much like... I'm, I'm usually not someone who puts much stock in production design. Um... Compared to the other, uh, compared to like cinematographers and music and uh, especially to, and directors, but looking into how carefully she she crafted um, the look of the ship, especially, she took it from oh, who's that artist? I'm trying to find it. I can't find it right now. Uh, 
shoot. It's an artist. He's building a naked eye observatory in a crater in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his specialty is using uh is using open spaces and sky spaces. There we go. Sky spaces which which is a way to uh frame the sky essentially. <laughs> uh and she wanted and it's it's a very modernist um in the re- uh in the realism school. Um I that probably sounded a lot more smart than it actually was meant to be. Uh, <laughs> uh and essentially that her that's what she took her production design cues from. It's where it looks alien but just just human enough that you can relate to it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where that's where a lot of she she said that's where she took a lot of her production design cues from. And then the last bit is where I talk about Johan Johansson, the late Johan Johansson. Um yeah. He did an absolutely stellar job. In fact, he was going to get an Academy Award nomination oh, yeah. before it found out that he used samples, which he was not hiding, obviously, no. uh, from a composer who's still alive. He was used, heavily relied on his samples as the crux of his score, so he was not allowed. But So the Academy Max thought, Ritter, yeah. yeah, Max Schroeder's Max music. Um, it's in Shutter Island. Yeah. Uh oh, that guy. Yeah. That's another good movie. Um <laughs> So Do you love your Martin Scorsese? I do. So they were elected like he wasn't even deserving of a nomination according to them because he didn't get uh he didn't use enough of his original score even though his score was amazing. Uh <laughs> I don't know if Johan Johansson ever got an Academy Award before he died either cuz he did he did some amazing work especially with Villanueva. Villanueva has this weird habit of teasing the best out of people. It's amazing. Um yeah, now that I think about it, it's Johan Johansson, Roger Deakins, uh, this cinematographer who I can't remember. Bradford Young. Uh, Bradford Young, <laughs> Taylor Sheridan, like, half these people didn't work on this on this particular project, but just, they've had some of the best work of their careers working with Fianueva. Oh, yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's a little bit on me nerding on yeah, yeah. production, <laughs> on the production no, value. No, but it's, it's, it's killer. Yeah. And it is absolutely phenomenal, I will say. My favorite shots were whenever they were in the spacecraft, mm-hmm. Espe- especially when they first entered it. Yeah, that, that was a scary scene. Because, yes. Like when, oh my watching God. it for the first time in theaters, Ooh. I was like, as I wasn't even scared when Jeremy Renner left and threw up. Not not scared. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't even surprised when Jeremy Renner threw up out of fear once he left the ship. Because I, I would have been yes. freaking scared. Like, <laughs> I'm just imagining the two of us getting into that spacecraft. Yeah. First of all, I don't think I would even do it because i think my anxiety would take over and i would say f this i think you would go in hide your everything so well get there <laughs> come back throw up <laughs> look at me and say i'm never doing that yeah again. <laughs> that would be what would happen i mean yeah uh i'm too close amy adams end, ends up having a panic attack in the middle of the thing multiple <laughs> yeah i know and then forrest whitaker looks at her like you're honestly doing better than a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah you're the best one so far it's like yeah. you held yourself together which thinking about that like, I mean, it's, I like, it's something like that, so alien that, like, no mu- no wonder you get so scared. <laughs> because when you, th- I feel like when a lot of people think like these sci-fi movies mm. and everything like that, like, I'm gonna go with Independence Day. I'm sorry, because as I'm watching this, like, halfway through this movie, I'm just like, this seems like a more intense version of Independence Day because mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a war Despite to break fa- out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for a war to break out. At this, it's point. like Stalker. You're waiting for uh, the penny to drop. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like something's gonna happen, which something like kind of did. We'll get into that later. Yeah. 
But I feel like they don't, I don't know if people, they just accurately depict people getting so freaking scared. Because when you think about it, if this actually happened, like, you see what we're like in COVID, it, mm-hmm. it's screwy. Mm-hmm. And I think if something like this, I pray to God, does never happens, or at least if it does, can we be dead? Because I don't want to deal with that. I'm already <laughs> having enough time dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, if, like, if you think about it, it's like, we would be so out of our minds scared. And yeah, twelve like, alien ships just showed up no, just, and just park tw- themselves wherever they want. What? We can't. Dis- we don't know no, what they're made of. They don't communicate with us. It's like yeah. It's like you'd be freaked the heck out as well. You'd mm-hmm. be like, I don't want to be anywhere near this. I want to like move someplace else. But you can't move someplace else because there's freaking twelve of them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, are you gonna attack us? Like, what are you gonna do? You're just kind of sitting there, yeah, like, like, <laughs> like you could, bro. Like, yeah, like, could water? you have waited to learn our language before you freaked us out? Like, yeah. stayed in orbit or something? Come on! <laughs> and then you find out, oh, hey, yeah, we're teaching this now because in 3,000 years we're going to need your help. Yeah, that's a thing. Which, yeah. Uh, they don't really explain what they're going to need in 3,000 years, but in 3,000 years... But that yeah, kind of adds to the help. that kind of adds the experience of the movie, though. It, of just being confusing, oh, yeah, and, like, what's just, going on? Like, that's why... And then being okay with being confused by the end. Yeah, and it's one thing to where I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, do I like all these jump shots and time jumps? And I'm, like, thinking to myself, mm-hmm. no, because, you know me, I don't... I really don't like jump shots, especially when they happen so frequently. Mm-hmm. This will be the rare time when I don't mind it because it's critical to mm-hmm. the overall plot. And how everything is. And so, it's like, okay, I can accept that. I will say, just in terms of Banks, not gonna lie, I thought that she was gonna have a psychotic breakdown at any point in this film. Yeah, she, I was, again, she, waiting for something like, like that to happen. <laughs> because she's, it feels like she's just slowly losing her mind. Yeah. Because she's just like, what in the world is going mm-hmm. on? I'm. She's trying to figure out this language because she's a linguist, linguist but she's just like... Hey, she's I've, figuring it out. She's going, she's starting to think like I them, am. which drives her a little crazy. crazy. And she's just like, why am I seeing these flash forwards or flashbacks of like this young girl who apparently is my daughter and then who apparently I have a husband who turns out to you know, be Ian Donnelly, but then I'm trying to figure that out because I don't really mm-hmm. know who my husband is until I mm-hmm. figure it all out in the end, until I go into his bay. Again, mm-hmm. it's a mind screw movie. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 recommend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I had another question, and I'm trying to figure out which one it was. Because I, I have a whole bunch of them right here, and we kind of... Oh, actually, there was one. So at one point in the movie, like the closest we ever get to seeing of violence, um, you have a couple of... Because they're at a camp. There, this freaking spacecraft is in the middle of nowhere, Montana, uh, and they have set up a base camp. And but there are so many different media outlets that are telling people so many different things mm-hmm. and finding out information, and you know people being rightfully so freaked out. You mm-hmm. have a bunch of rogue agents, and so they're just like yeah. And I think we it. all relate to the idea of uh, news organizations profiting off world crisis. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is. And so you have essentially these rogue agents like, okay, screw it. We're going to blow up this spacecraft because you have other countries thinking about doing it, like mainly China. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they're like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who these people are. We feel like we're making no headway. Do you think that they were right to start that attack on the spaceship and the bomb? Or do you think they were just strictly scared and they just wanted things to get back to quote unquote normal? Oh, I think that was part of it. Part of it was also, I think, it's natural. I mean... I, I wasn't to me it wasn't the most realistic scene only because 
I don't think they would put. I think the, if, if the government would put military personnel near anywhere near the spacecraft, it would be guys who are very mentally stable. Oh yes. It wouldn't be regular soldiers. Um, it would be guys like. Because these guys yeah. look like they're in their like they're our age, their twenties. I mean, the, that's like, how most like soldiers 20, are even younger yeah. than us. So <laughs> yeah, between the eight, like eighteen to twenty five. Yeah, like, that's you, what it yeah. Like. So that being said, it, it definitely was. I guess more of like, do you think they were? It was something that was that. That incident could have happened in any sort, shape, or form. Uh, they were talking about how uh, there was like news organizations that you'd have. They were talking about how environmental pressure groups were against the aliens because they thought they were contaminating Earth and stuff like that. And it was very realistic yes. stuff. I'm going to be honest. Um, you could you could see how everybody, regard almost regardless of point of view, would have a problem with the aliens being here, which made it all the more realistic. It, exactly. Yeah, it could have. No yeah. one would be in their right mind. Yeah, and I think part of it is someone it's people it's people as a whole desiring some semblance of control over their lives and which we can relate to during covid and uh <laughs> having some semblance of cuz you know they're just looking at these at these uh spaceships government isn't releasing any information about what he, they even look like um yeah. or anything that's going on and at, as the months go by or well, weeks turn to months I should say you're just kind of sitting here like well all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the government isn't telling us anything. Obviously, something's happening, and people are just getting scared, which is an insanely natural response. <laughs> oh, yeah. very much. Again, yeah. like this very much plays into today's day and age. Mm -hmm. I will say the only two people throughout that entire movie that were actually kind of sane was Forrest Whitaker as the colonel, who played the colonel, and then Michael Stolberg, who played a CIA agent. They were the, really the only ones that actually kind of some, kept a somewhat level head. Exactly. And they try to freaking play the CIA agent, but, like... <laughs> no, he's more of, like, if I don't, like, keep this stoic face and, like, do this, I will probably lose my mind. Yeah, exactly. You, like, I honestly think he, his character was given a little bit of a bad rap. Because, um, like, he kind of plays off as the bad guy, but, like, as for... He's but just for, stoic. Yeah, but as... Oh, shoot, I just hit the microphone. hope that doesn't, uh... Then, um, <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> when we play this, yeah, back. exactly. And Forrest Whitaker provides a good framing device for how everyone is thinking because he talks about how anything that you do in the craft, I have to explain to a room full of people about how that will not be a threat to us. Yeah. And when he says that, I'm like, okay, we understand his point of view. We understand most of everyone's point of view after that. After that part of the movie, how everyone's see the face. Yeah, exactly. This movie is also a very. It's it's a lot of commentary on. Uh, it's a social. It's not just a science fiction movie in the sense that it talks about aliens. It's also a social science fiction movie in the sense that it talks about how aliens would impact society and how first contact would really screw us up. Yeah, this I will say a lot more realistic than Independence Day. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and I love Independence Day because it's a freaking like, wacky movie. I do not like Independence yeah. Day. <laughs> I like Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. In Independence Day, that's it. Yeah. And the dog. Mm -hmm. That That's it. Other than that, I'm just like, what in the world is happening? Plus also the speech by What's-His-Face is just, it's kind of amusing to me. Yeah, it is. I will, I will say. <laughs> by Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Oh, my, side note. So I know you haven't seen Teen Wolf, um, but there's uh, an episode in Teen Wolf. I think, I can't remember in what season, but the coach, the lacrosse coach. First of all, this the lacrosse coach is like 
kind of an a-hole basically part of my language he's kind of an a-hole but he's really funny and sarcastic and like at the like the lacrosse tournaments where it's like they'll get like a championship or whatever he starts quoting the independence day speech by Bill Coleman. <laughs> and um what there's like one guy there and then one person's mom is there and she looks at him she's like what like is he she's like yep she's like why is he quoting independence day he's just like he does that every year we don't know why <laughs> so please side change it but one of my favorite scenes like just one of my favorite scenes throughout the entire franchise oh. so yes more realistic than independence day which oh yeah by the way i figured out the production designer not a female um his name is patrice vernet oh okay it's his name yeah he um into which he said i wanted the simplicity and the sensorial experience you feel in a room like that in terms of like talking about the spaceship yeah so that so in the answer to your question patrice vernet mm. yeah, no, vermet that is an m and not an n i am nearsighted and dyslexic that is <laughs> those are my two excuses and i use them when i can it, it justifies a few things at least for me <laughs> anyways okay like I, my last question is because of this language, look, um, it makes you look at time non-linear. Mm-hmm. And essentially looking into the future. Would mm-hmm. you yourself want to look into the future? No, not at all. Well. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Think about it, no. Because, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and one thing I'm just like, you know, we all got our path. Mm. The point of it is a mystery. Yeah, and also because you don't. You see a lot, you watch a lot of these time movies and it's like, okay, yeah, you don't want to, it's like with Back to the Future, it's like, yeah, you don't want to mess with time because it alters everything. Yeah, and if I'm going to be a loser in the future, like knowing about it isn't going to help. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to be no. a loser no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. And so on that lovely note, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what, wait, what does Jeremy Clarkson from Grand Tour say? It's like, it's like, well, like, and on that note or something like that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I can't remember what he says. It's been so it's it's been so we, long since I watched that. We literally watched it a few weeks ago when they came out with the new one. Remember? I can't remember the end. I can't remember what he says. <laughs> Anyways, and on that note, uh, this arrival, mind screw of a movie, ten out of ten will recommend. You're going to be confused no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and thank you for joining us. Hopefully, the next one we talk about won't be that much of a mind more straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Ben, thank you for recommending this to us. Have a lovely day, y'all.